You know, um, I'm going to tell you something that's always amazed me about God. And that's how creative he is with so little to work with. Let me tell you what I mean by that. I want to just speak about our head for a moment. This thing right here. Not even talking about the neck, our heads. Now look at what we have. Two eyes, a nose, a mouth, two ears, some skin, and many of you have hair. Some of us don't. Look around. Do you see anybody that looks like you? I mean, it's amazing. It's so little to work with. And yet we all look different. God just takes those six different elements and he nuances them in such a way that we all look a little bit different and are unique. And the same thing's true of our personality. Because look, we all have a mind and we all have a will and we all have emotions. Uh, we have affections. We have desires. We have dreams. That's what we're all made up with, but no two personalities are alike. We're all different. It's because God has nuanced not just our bodies, <laughs> but our personalities in such a way. And those of us that are believers, we can throw in the spiritual gifts he gives us, and he nuances every one of us to be unique and different. And the same is true with churches. You ever stop and think of it? What are churches made up of? I think about every church I know is made up of the Bible, made up of worship, made up of prayer, made up of fellowship, made up of a mission, made up of a strategy and some goals and their, their own theology. When I say their own theology, that's a poor way to say it because our theology is dictated to us here, but it's our best understanding of that as we each approach that. So in many ways, churches are made up of the same stuff. But it's the way that those things are uniquely nuanced and interface with one another within a church that makes us all different. And I'm talking this morning about churches that are basically even like us, other Bible-believing, Jesus-trusting churches. So this isn't a matter of one church being better than another or a series on Pat saying, why Moraine is such a great church. That's not what this is about. This is about what makes us unique. And why has God placed Moraine, as well as other churches, as he's nuanced us all differently in these areas, in their unique place, in a unique time, for a unique purpose? That's really where we're going to go over the next six weeks as we do a series called Our Core. Now, I'm calling it Our Core for this reason. Our is a very personal word, <laughs> and it's a plural word. So this is Moraine Valley Church, which is made up of all of you, because the church is the people, not the organization or the programs or the place. And so it's our core, it's the personal core of Moraine Valley Church, and the core means, means this, you know, that, that, that's the heart, that's the foundation. 
That's the thing we stand upon. It's like in the body, the core muscles, basically the trunk that we have. And you know that the better condition and shape that the core is in, the rest of the body can function and do what it's supposed to do. And so when Moraine Valley Church's core is operating well and in place, then we can be that much more of a church to the glory of God. So that's where we're going really for the next six weeks. We're gonna be talking about our core. Who is Moraine Valley Church? Who am I a part of? You're gonna better understand this church and maybe some of the reasons why I say I like this church or maybe some things say, that ah, that's what I complain about. <laughs> but at least you're gonna know better who we are as a church by the time we get done with this series. So let me, uh, I'm gonna preview where we're going as we talk about our core. I'm gonna focus on our values. Um, basically, we're gonna look at our mission and our values in a six-week period. So this isn't one of these things that's gonna last six months, six weeks. Our mission is simply this, following Jesus and impacting others. We're going to open that up to you a little bit more in a whole message. What does that mean and why do we go that way? And that's our unique mission as we wrestle with what Jesus has given to the mission of the church. How do we define that and carry that out here at Moraine Valley? Our values are simply this. We are mission driven. Mission is why we exist. Now there's a difference. There's a mission, but why do we do that mission? That's what that's really emphasizing. We're, we're driven by that mission. And we'll talk about that one next week, actually. Grace and truth is our context. We're, we're a church that is sought not just to be all about truth or all about grace. I love what Rachel said this morning about God being in a box. Um, you know what? Some people put everything in the box of grace and love. Some people put everything in the box of truth. God doesn't use boxes. God mixes them all together like a finely cooked soup with all the different spices put together. And grace and truth are a spice that go together in the same soup, so to say. And that's who we seek to be. So we're not a church that's always just hammering truth or always just hammering love and grace. We're a church that's trying to find where those two kiss each other and walk hand in hand. That's who we are. That's part of our value. Future focused. The next generation is in our sight. We're a multi-generational church. We have people of different generations, which gives us some great opportunities for various reasons. We'll talk about that that day. But you know what, guys? We really want to have a focus in the next generation because I think anybody who's my age doesn't want to see the church die when we die. So as the older generation keeps getting like this, we want God to bring up a new generation where we must decrease, they must increase, so that Moraine Valley and its core and its mission can last for decades to come. And so we're very intentional and learning better how to do that as we're seeking to walk as a multi-generational church that has a focus on the next generation. Together, strong. Together is our vehicle. That's what I'm gonna speak about today, so I'll hold that one for a minute. Then finally, world changers. 
Transformation is our destination. Guys, our goal is to see people changed at the core of their being by the Spirit of God and by the Word of God. We want people's lives. I love Grace rewrote our stories. I was thanking God for that this morning. God himself has come in and he has transformed not just external behavior modification, but he does something so deep in the core of your being that you come out differently. And what, that's what we seek to be at Moraine Valley. This is who we are. This kind of are the unique elements that nuance Moraine Valley in who we are and what we're trying to do. So this morning, I'm going to talk on Together Strong. That's where I'm going to start. This is the way we define it, and it's complete idea. Together is our vehicle. Let me speak about a vehicle for a second. You know what a vehicle is? That's the, that's the instrument, <laughs> car, truck, bus, train, whatever, that moves you from one location to the next. And the idea that where we believe God wants Moraine Valley Church to go, the vehicle that gets us there is us together. <laughs> it's a movement of the we and not the me. It's a movement of the whole church and not just the staff. You know, so we believe the vehicle to accomplish what God has called us to do to see followers of Jesus and impacting others, it's going to be a we together that we're going to get there. And we're committed in this context, this we together is it's going to require an authentic community, not just playing church, but people who are being real with one another. Where discipleship takes place, burdens are carried, and each one is spurred on to our next steps with Jesus. Brothers and sisters, together discipleship can happen at Moraine. Both what we receive as well as what we give to others. And it can happen, our burdens are carried, not by a few staff members, but as our brothers and sisters get around us in times of difficulty to carry those burdens. And even being spurred on to our next step of growth, we don't ever want to be comfortable. We're comfortable in our acceptance before God, but we want to become all God's created us to be. And so together, our next steps come. And so this morning, that's what we really want to focus upon. Now, I realize we just finished the series we call Revitalized. If you were with us, you noticed something. The whole series was really about our togetherness as a body and the challenge of how much we need to do that. So in many ways, you can look at this morning's message as a closing of that series and an opening to this new series because they really both go together. And I wrestle with, okay, I don't want to just give another message on why we need each other. Um, another good reason why we need each other. There are a lot of good reasons. There are a lot of biblical reasons. But I, I was thinking, God, what, what do I do? I mean, there were so many, Mike and Josh were unbelievable in this series. What a gift they are to our church. And some of the things that were shared and the, the experiences we had of recognizing the importance of together. You know, so I said, God, what, what more can I say at this point? And you know what God's led me to is this. He's led me to talk about why is it that some people don't feel a need for others? Why is it some people aren't pursuing to connect 
with the rest of the body of Christ and other people in a significant way. Why does they feel the need? Oh, I feel, yeah, I'm fine. So that's where I felt God was leading me to go with. And the reason I felt that is this. I was there at one point. And I don't, I'm not sure I ever spoke about it before, and I'm going to speak about it this morning. And I'm going to share the answer to that question from a passage in Romans 12, if you have your Bibles turned there, that um, God spoke to me in a powerful way to show me why I carried the attitude that I was okay, I really didn't need others, I don't need a small group, I don't need other people, me and Jesus are doing just fine. And so this morning in Romans, we're going to answer that question. Why do I not feel the need? Why am I not desperate to connect with others in the body of Christ? Romans 12. I hope you're there. We're going to be looking at verses 3 through 6 this morning. And the structure of this passage is very simple. He starts off in verse 3 talking about the way we think. You're going to see when I read this passage that the word think comes up four times. One time it comes up with the word sound judgment, but that's talking about our thinking. So we're going to see four times in this one verse we're going to talk about thinking. And the thinking has to do with the way I think about myself in light of the rest of the people around me. So that's the heart of the passage in verse 3. And then in verse 4, he's going to talk about the human body and the makeup of the human body. And then in verse 5, he's going to take the spiritual truth that we learn from the human body and is going to show us how it works out in the church. So as I read this passage, watch for that and see if you can pick up the answer to the question. Why would someone feel, I, re I really don't need this? Starting in verse 3 of Romans 12, he says this. For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly and then so forth and so on. He answers for me, and I believe for you, he did for me personally, and I believe that same one can be answered for you today, why, whether it be me or others, that question, why not? Why don't I feel that need? Why am I not desperately seeking to be with other believers? Whether it be in a small group or a corporate gathering or whatever, well, what's going on that would cause me to feel that way? And I think the answer is in verse 3. Both sides of the end. Here's the issue. I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment. 
problem is pride, self-sufficiency, faulty thinking. Starting to think, you know what, I'm, I, I, I'm a little bit better than the others and I, I really don't need the others. I'm really doing okay. So there's this place where we start to think of ourselves in relationship to one another that I, I'm okay, I'm doing good. I'm not sure I really need other people. And then he does in the second, the last part of this verse, he says this, he gives us the reason why we shouldn't think this way. As God has allotted to each a measure of faith. This is what he's saying. I shouldn't think higher of myself and think I really don't need the others in the body because God has given every person in the body of Christ some measure of faith. And what he's going to go on to explain as we see in this context, that measure of faith really are, 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 are connected with our spiritual gifts. We're each gifted and made differently. God has given everybody something to contribute to the body of Christ. And we can never be personally who God's called me to be or we as a church that God has called us to be if we're not connecting with others in a significant way and benefiting from what God has given them to give to the church. I kind of think of the, for those that are cooks, and my wife can do this well, she's got a good taster. You know, and let's say there, we talked about soup earlier, there's some kind of food, you're making a chili or something. And she can taste it and say, you know what? There's too much of this seasoning in there. Or there, it's missing this or it needs that. You know, I, I know there's many of you who can do I, I can't do that. All I can say is, you know, there's not enough of it on my plate, baby. We need a little bit more. That part I can do well. <laughs> I thought it tastes like that, but just give me more. I'm good with it. But, you know, that's the way it is. With, you know, when somebody at Moraine Valley Church is not taking the peace, the flavor, the spice of Jesus that he's placed into your life and using it to help this church get to where God wants it to be or to help other believers around you to become all that God's called us to be, guess what? We'll never have the full flavor of Jesus like God intended it. Something's gonna be missing. And so what we got to realize, because there's some people who are saying, because according to this passage, I'll say, hey, I don't need them. I'm good. I don't need the corporate church. I don't need people in a small group. I don't need people close to me in my life. I, I kind of think of it, what, what he said, God has allotted to each. When we think of the mission that God has given us and the vehicle is to God, let's say the mission is as big as this building. Now, there was a time in my life, I hate to admit it, but it's true, that I kind of thought me and Jesus could handle it all. You know, it, it, it's gonna, everything's going to be fine, Lord. You and I are going to take care of this. You know, I'll tell you that story here in a little bit. God has many times humbled me in my life because I needed it. <laughs> but it, I really believe that. We're going to be fine. All's good. Me and Jesus. 
And what he's saying, to realize God's desire to do what he wants to do with the church. Here's Pat, this little space right here occupying this piece. That's as big as Pat can do. But there's you and you, 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 you get the point? Now we start to say every piece together that fills the church at Hall are some of the spices that God has given to his church to accomplish his mission, both outside the walls and seeing people come to Jesus and within the walls of us becoming more like Jesus. And the biggest thing that a person who's struggling with pride in the way they think about others in the body of Christ is not recognizing not only what they're missing, but how they got to where they are today. And he, he goes on to illustrate this in verses uh, four and five. Now he's going to use the human body. And he's going to kind of show the different functions. Of, you know, he's allotted to each, a measure of faith. Now he's going to focus on the differences. For just as we have many members in one human body, and all the members do not have the same function, they all don't do the same thing. Now he's going to say, now let's look at the spiritual body, because so we who are many are one body in Christ. So now he's talking about the church made up of many people and individually members one of another. Now, nobody doesn't say and individually members of the body of Christ. He says we're members of one another. That means we are intimately and vitally join together. Just like the human body, you know, we are connected to one another in such a way that we are interdependent upon one another. We are utterly dependent upon the Lord, but interdependent upon one another. And what this passage is saying is the way God has designed the church of Jesus Christ is that we are tied together. We are members of one another. We are vital to one another. Each of our parts contribute something. We're mutually dependent. For instance, if I was to take my finger and point over here at somebody, Scott will pick you, good brother. My finger could say, Look at what I just did. I pointed at Scott. Did you realize what it took for me to point at? It took my feet, my legs, my trunk, my hips, my hand, my arm, my shoulder, my shoulder blades. You know what? For my fingers, hey, I did that. No, we did that. The body's crying out. It's like the organist, the story, true story, I guess, you know, back when they used to play the organ, they, they had to have somebody pedaling the air into it so it would run. Uh, I don't know if anybody, you guys know that. I don't know how many are old enough to be there, seeing that. But you know, they, they had a boy or somebody back there that was back there working the air pedals in the back room that nobody could see so that the organist could play. 
Well, it was at a concert of this well-known organist who was getting up and said, you know, and people are just giving Stan Ovagius Mason, now I'm going to play this. And he sat down at the organ and he started to put his fingers on the board and nothing came. And everybody's like, what's going on? And he's going, all of a sudden from the back, he said, say we. (laughs) You know what? We're taking all the credit. Look at what I'm going to do now. What song I'm going to play. No, look at the song we're going to play because there's so much going on in the background that we don't see and we're not aware of that gets us to where we are. The same thought is in 1 Corinthians. You don't have to turn it. I'm just going to read it to you. He says this, but now there are many members but one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, it is much truer. You want to know the truth? That the members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. Everyone is necessary in the body of Christ. Whether you're a very strong spice that nobody can miss, or whether you're maybe a smaller tasting spice that maybe people like Pat Peglo could never pick up, but his wife Kim would pick up if it was missing. And so when I think of a Sunday morning and how many people are involved in getting us just to where we are, it's unbelievable. The we is what God uses to accomplish all this. So the bottom line is this. We need to recognize that while we're all different, we are all desperately needed. We are all different, but we're all desperately needed. And there seems to be, according to Romans, and I was one of those at one time, that thought that I really don't need others. I can do this thing alone. But what this is saying, don't be foolish. Don't be puffed up. Don't be blinded by pride. Don't be deceived in your own thinking because God has given to each member in the body of Christ something to contribute to you personally and to us corporately. And until we recognize that, brothers and sisters, we're not going to be living properly with one another because something wrong in our thinking that's affecting our relationships with others and the way we need to connect and what we do as a church. So the real test here is this. Not how well you know the verse. Not if you can preach a sermon on it today. (laughs) Not if you've memorized it and can point out all the key points. Here's the test today. How well are you connected with other believers in Jesus Christ? How well are you connected with God desires to do in and through Moraine Valley Church? Are you connected? Because if you're not, it's possible that you may be struggling with the thinking in verse 3 that maybe, I'm not sure I need them, I'm not sure they need me, whatever. Something is off here to maybe keep us from connecting corporately to what God wants to do here through this church 
or even with my brothers and sisters around me who are close and what he wants to do in them and what he wants to do in me. That, I'm just, that's what this passage is teaching. And I'm going to tell you about my story. I said, God met me here. I was in seminary at that time, and we used to house sit to be able to uh, go to school. And we were house sitting, and there was a young man there in this family, you know, that we'd be there, parents go on a trip, we'd watch the kids. This young man's dreams were to be in the Olympics. So one of my jobs was every day at 5 a.m. I had to get him to the swimming. The swimming parents know what that's like. <laughs> had to get him to the pool by 5 a.m. And so, uh, you know, that morning I had driven him to the pool and I'm sitting up in the bleachers on the side and I was reading my Bible. I says, you know, this is a time I can meet with God as I'm sitting here. And I remember I was reading this passage. As I was sitting in the bleachers, and as I was reading that passage, it's like, you know, the Word of God is a mirror. <laughs> and as I was looking into the mirror, I was seeing my own thinking. And my thinking was, I'm okay. Me and Jesus. Me and Jesus, only Jesus. I know his word. I've been to Bible college. I'm going to seminary. Uh, I'm trusting Jesus and walking with him. I'm doing just fine. And I remember in that moment, not only did God show me my thinking, but he flashed a light into my mind where all of a sudden I recognized all the people that God has used in my life to get me to where I am was at that moment. See, somehow <laughs> I was unaware of how all these other people brought spices to make Pat Peglo what he was at that time and to contribute to my life. I mean, you could take people that prayed for me all the way from my sister-in-law, Linda. When she first, you know, she's a believer in Jesus and when she first met me uh, as a non-believer, I was so arrogant and boastful and things I said about God just were, shocked her. And she, she told me, she began to pray that day for me because... She knew I was in deep trouble in my relationship with God. I think of teachers. At that, again, I'm going back to that time. I'm talking about it in the past many years ago. I, you know, if I, to today, but at Moody Bible Institute, pastors here at Moraine, Bill Johnson and Clem, so uh, that, that shaped my thinking and shaped my life and shaped my practice. Sunday school teachers right here at Moraine Valley, small group leaders and small groups that I was in, the way they shaped who I am. People who contributed to me financially so I could go to school. This is a miracle. I mean, before I left, there was a woman who basically grabbed me by the couch, literally. She, I was down the gym, she put me against the wall almost, you know. If you don't let me know if you have a need, I'm gonna be so upset with you. And I went for about nine months and I was in deep need, but I wasn't gonna tell anybody. And finally, I was in such deep need, I said, I'm gonna give her a call. And this woman paid for our housing, our uh, utilities, and um, I can't remember what, I, maybe it was our health insurance 
for all the way the rest of the way through seminary. Now here's an interesting thing about it, how she got the money. Her husband was an engineer, made good money, but he hated to spend money. He literally hid money in the walls of his house. He died. She was remodeling and when they took down the walls, money fell all over the house. She says, Pat, God has given this to me. I want to invest it in his work. So, you know, I had people who invest, you know, God through a guy who didn't want to spend anything, kept on building it up and even hiding it away. She finds it later and says, I want to give it to you and Kim to help you so you can spend your time studying rather than working the whole time. You, you don't think that had a big piece on my life at that time and where I got to and where I was? How about friends and many even in here and others loved me, they encouraged me, they bore burdens with me, and yes, they even rebuked me when I needed it, because brothers and sisters, I needed it. There were people further down the road than me that discipled me, that counseled me, that coached me. There were leaders here at Moraine Valley that invested in me, that taught me and modeled for me. There were books that I read from other people that impacted my thinking and shaped me. There were radio shows I listened to that the speakers or the worship songs God would use in my life. And you know what, guys? And this is the truth. I don't need to score any points. I'm doing good with my wife. But you know what? When I stop and think of it outside of Jesus, there's nobody that's impacted me more than my wife because you know what? Day in and day out, a little bit here, a little bit there, <laughs> over you know how many years starts to add up in the way that they impact and shape who you are. And God has used Kim in so many ways and still does to today to continue to shape and tweak me in so many ways. And I know that's true of so many others. So here's my question for you this morning. Could it be that the reason that you're not running after, seeking after, fellowship with other believers corporately in a small group and even more intimately than that. Be that maybe you were like me and somehow you think you're okay on your own. Somehow I can do this. This passage is saying that holds people back from recognizing their desperate need and how God has designed the body. So I want you to consider this this morning. We're gonna give you a few minutes to consider this. Who are three to five people that have impacted your life up to today that you wouldn't be who you are if it wasn't for them? People that got you to where you are today. You know, actually somebody was given this assignment in the course they're taking, and I was shocked last year. I got a call from somebody I never expected, and they said, Pat, we're told to think of who were the people that impacted our lives and shaped us and got us where, and he called me and said, Pat, you're one of them. I was like, wow, you're kidding. I, I never expected it. Never expected from this person. They had no idea. But I want you to think about it. Who are the people 
that God has used <laughs> because he has allotted to everybody something. And brothers and sisters, we wouldn't be where we are today on our own. We are here because God has placed other people to where we are. Who are there? We're going to give you a few moments to think about that. Then this is what I'm encourage you to do. Once you identify those people, I'm encourage you to do two things. One, first of all, thank God because they're a gift from God to you. God made them that way and God used them in your life for that purpose. And so the first thing you gotta go back is to the real source and that's God himself and thank him. And then I encourage you to go thank that person. Go back to that person this week or maybe this morning. Or maybe God's so speaking, say, I, I can't even wait to the end of the service. I'm gonna go over to them right now. And I just gotta say, you have so impacted my life. I've never told you that. I just need to thank you for the way God has used you in my life. Brother and sister, we're gonna give you a few moments to do this. And as you do this, not only will you encourage them, but God is gonna expand your perspective about how he has used other people in your life and your need to continue to plug into people. But you know what? That act will be a humbling act that will be the first step in breaking the pride <laughs> that says, hey, I think a little more highly than myself. I really don't need those people. So as Ethan plays, take a few moments. Consider who are those people Committing your heart this week to contact those people, or maybe you can't even wait. Maybe some of them are here. Maybe you need to get up right now and do that. Love you guys. And I don't do this often. I got to leave. So I'm walking right out that door. Uh, but I will be contacting my people this week as well. So uh, have a great day.